Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one does not. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist, and I love that you guys love YA. Does that count? I see what you did there. (laughs) Maybe a little, but maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Mm. I'll let it slide today. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's tell everyone what we're reading right now. I'll go ahead and start. And actually, Sarah and I are reading the same book. Indeed. I'm pretty much finished with it, and it is The Time Between Us by Tamara Ireland Stone. This was a title recommended to us by an email from one of our listeners. So thank you, Shreya. Thank you. We enjoyed this one. Yeah, I really liked it. It reminds me a bit of The Time Traveler's Wife. So for any who have read or seen that movie, but it has Anna, who lives in Chicago in 1995, and Bennett, who has the ability to travel through time and comes from 2012 in San Francisco. I would call this one a romance because there are definite sparks between Anna and Bennett. And I guess the big question is whether or not they can make it work or if time will work against him and drag him back to his rightful timeline. Yeah, I would say recommend this for people who are looking for a romance. If you're really strict about your science and your science fiction kind of elements, maybe not because the time travel portion is not thoroughly explained or to me. And if you try to figure it out and think about it, it really makes your head hurt. You will get a headache. That's true. Time travel does that to me. But if you just concentrate on the love, you will feel good. All we need is love. All we need is the love. I do like to think about the love. <laughs> I feel like the the like odd one out because I'm not reading that book. What are you reading? I am reading. So because I've been reading for this, I decided to go with a graphic novel because that's something simple and light and I can read that kind of in one sitting. And I reread a favorite of mine because the weather is finally getting a little bit chilly and it looks kind of like fall outside. The light is um, that fall kind of light. So I read Pumpkin Heads by Rainbow Rowell and Faith Erin Hicks. I love this book. It is just a sweet, charming romance. It's one night at this pumpkin patch and these two... Uh, people. They are seniors. They have grown up working on this pumpkin patch, Deja and Josiah, and they're seasonal best friends. They've worked on the pumpkin patch every year together, and they become great friends, and Josiah is in love. So Josiah has had this crush on this girl that works in another section of the pumpkin patch. And this pumpkin patch in this book is amazing. It's, I want to go there. It's got all of these different areas and things to do and it looks amazing and Deja's like all right you're gonna talk to her it's been three years and so it's set over one night as they try to track down the girl because of course she has moved to all like every they're like three steps behind her every time they go somewhere and over the course of that one evening Deja and Josiah's feelings come out and maybe he's not so much in love with that girl from the Sakatasha, maybe he's a little bit more in love with his best friend. It's just charming and sweet and lovely. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> Plus pumpkins and succotash. And yeah. pumpkins. And Do you I like mean, let succotash? Me, I don't no. actually know what oh, succotash okay. is. Sounds like gross. It's um, like a combination of squash and corn. and. Well, uh, the way I've always had it is corn and lima beans. It yeah, does mention lima beans in here. I think here. there's squash and corn and lima beans. I've never had it with squash. 
But either way, I don't like well squash would make it worse for me because I don't like squash. And this has been our podcast. Try squash. Succotash corner. (laughs) Anyway. Tried squash. No, you need to try more squash. <laughs> squash hey, corner. If I can read YA, you can eat. Some I squash. have found tolerable <laughs> forms of squash, but for the most part, I don't want it. Okay, I'm gonna try your autumn soup. There you go. Thank you. I will. I will try it. Keep this entire thing in because it's hilarious. Right. You're gonna read the books, and I'm gonna eat your stupid autumn squash soup. <laughs> How about for every bite you take, I will read a page. Wait, hey, hold up. Are you I bringing this I think you autumn? need to read more than a page no, for no, every no, bite no. of soup I take. <laughs> Are you bringing soup in to share? No, we can't eat soup while we're doing this. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I meant just to eat soup. Oh. <laughs> okay, maybe we should move on. So, Catherine, what are we talking about this episode? Well, in this episode, we are talking about titles to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. Woo! So we have all read a few, and I had a really hard time narrowing my choices down to three. (laughs) You always show the rest of us up. You all read three. And you read, what, like 12? Six. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't read them specifically in this time frame, but yes, I had several I wanted to talk about. Narrowed it down to three. And I guess I'll start, and I just want to go ahead and say that all of the books I'm talking about are ones that I instantly fell in love with. So they were ones that, like, I wanted to read in one sitting if possible. Nice. <laughs> Didn't always happen, but okay, I would have preferred to. My first and probably favorite is How Moon Fuentes Fell in Love with the Universe by Raquel Vasquez Gilliland. This one is described as the hating game, which I have not read, meets I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. It's also this year's Pura Belpre award winner, and I'm going to mostly read the publisher's synopsis for this one because I'm afraid if I really start talking about it, I'm going to give you the whole story. <laughs> you liked it that much, huh? I, I really did. So when her twin sister reaches social media stardom, Moon Fuentes accepts her fate as the ugly, unwanted sister hidden in the background, destined to be nothing more than her sister's camera woman. But this summer, Moon also takes a job as the merch girl on a tour bus full of beautiful influencers, and her fate begins to shift in the best way possible. Most notable is her bunkmate and new nemesis, Santiago Phillips, who is grumpy, combative, and is also the hottest guy Moon has ever seen. Moon is certain she hates Santiago and that he hates her back. But as chance and destiny and maybe, probably, close proximity bring the two of them into each other's perpetual paths, Moon starts to wonder if that's really true She even starts to question her destiny as the unnoticed, unloved wallflower she always thought she was. Could this summer change Moon's life as she knows it? Probably. Okay, so Moon's twin's name is Star. And originally they were to be named uh, the Spanish versions, so Luna and Estrella. But during labor, when her mother was shouting and calling out in Spanish, a very rude nurse, in my opinion, hissed at her that we speak English in this country. So they became Moon and Star. Just thought I would throw that in there because I felt like that was a very important part of the story, even though it was like one sentence in the book. Huh. And food in the story was a very, very important plot point. And let me tell you, there were several chapters I feel like were dedicated to omelets. So it made me <laughs> crave omelets, and I maybe had to go make an omelet. <laughs> 
And this is maybe a weird one, and I think I'm going to have to try it. I think I mentioned this to Sarah before, but um, Moon, when she eats pizza, she likes to drizzle honey on her pizza. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. okay, so there was a while where I don't remember which pizza company it was, maybe Pizza Hut, had a honey sriracha crust. Interesting. And it was really good. So I can kind of see, yeah. But I, yeah, I'm wondering if it's like the, you know, salt with chocolate or like, you know, sweet with the savory pizza. It makes that like. I think I think that this this would become like a, a pineapple on pizza dividing line between people. I do like pineapple on pizza. Yes. So I, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to try it. Well, I want you to try it and tell me what you think. I will. Because I'm not sure. I can kind of see like uh, the, the, the crust was one thing. And with the sriracha, it was a little a little heat. So I'm curious how it would be on just regular tomato-y sauce. So we need to bring lunch to office one day, include pizza with honey. And your soup. And succotash. I don't want succotash, I just <laughs> want your soup. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, I didn't weigh in on that. I don't like succotash either. I mean, I've never had it, but I don't think it sounds good because I don't think I like anything in it. <laughs> Yeah, so okay, so next episode I will try to have eaten some pizza with honey and we'll report back. Excellent. Also, I know we aren't really doing this, but I'm going to do a bit of a cover talk here. Um, I really love this cover. It's all in nice pinks, blues, and purples, but I know you can't see the cover, so you should look it up, but after reading and then looking at the cover, you see how much of the story is really reflected in this cover imagery, like the this cover just did a brilliant job of representing this book. So I really love when books do that, when you can go back and look at the image on the cover and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, so many yeah. parts of the story are represented in different things. And it's a pretty cover. Go ahead, Patty. What's one of yours? So I'm also going to talk about my favorite that I read, and it also heavily food-based. It is With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. I love this book. Y'all... <laughs> I had been kind of a slump, believe it or not. I mean, reading things for the podcast, but not really enjoy, not, not, not enjoying them, but it just wasn't that book that just, I wanted to, to hug forever. You know, that sort of feeling when you read a book that you're like, oh yes, this book and this book with the fire on high, something about this, this, this got me and it is not the book like a book I would have thought would do that for me. This book is just a contemporary YA. It's about a girl named Amani Santiago. And she got pregnant when she was a freshman. And ever th- ever since then, all of her decisions take into account her daughter, baby girl is what she calls her. And she lives with her abuela. And she's just had to make a lot of hard choices but the one place that she feels special and that she can she can really be herself is the kitchen. She's always loved cooking. She's an amazing cook. And it is her senior year and her school has for the first time offering a culinary arts class. And the class is going to go to Spain for a week and it's all focused around Spanish cuisine. And she has like a big debate about whether she's going to be in it or not, but she is. And it's just this story about her senior year and what happens to her. And it is just, I absolutely loved it. 
made me cry multiple times, not because it was sad. It was just, I had too many feelings <laughs> for my face to contain all my feelings <laughs> that came out as crying. And it's just absolutely wonderful. I would recommend it to it really anybody. Also, I, full disclosure, I picked this one because her other books are both written in verse. And I kind of thought this one would be too, and it would be a fast read and it's not. <laughs> But I will say, you can tell her writing is absolutely beautiful. Her turns of phrases and the way she describes things and just, it, it, you, you can sense it and feel it. And it's just, she's a wonderful writer. So, high recommend. Sarah, what's one of your books? Well, you guys did it. You, you led me to find a YA book that I actually really, really like. <gasps> That's two. That's on. two on my list. Woo! <laughs> this one is called Echoes of Grace, written by Guadalupe Garcia McCall. And she is a um, Pura Bella Prey win award winner, but for her first novel, which was called Under the Mesquite. This one I really, really enjoyed. It's about two sisters, Graciela, who goes by Grace, and Mercedes, who goes by Mercy. So we've got our, like your... Moon and Star, we've got Mercy and Grace, which I thought was fun. Anyway, they have really been important to each other ever since the murder of their mother. And then their relationship kind of um, suffers a blow because Mercedes gets pregnant and then marries the baby's father, but the relationship is horrible. And so now she's she and Grace and their um, abuela and their father are all living together, but it's sort of a strained, strained relationship. But the biggest problem is that Grace has what she calls echoes, which are like almost psychic premonitions or flashbacks of things that didn't happen to her or ghosts that she sees. It's kind of a strange um, psychic phenomenon that she goes through, and the other members of her family don't necessarily understand it. And so it's her trying to kind of reconcile what these visions are trying to tell her. And also um, mend her relationship with her family, especially her sister. So I think, you know, there's a touch of the magical realism to this. It's also, a, there's, it's a little dark in places, so I will warn you about that. If that kind of story bothers you, maybe stay away. But overall, beautiful story, beautifully written, and I would recommend Echoes of Grace. What about you, Catherine? You have another one? So my next one is Furia by Shamile Saeed Mendez. This one is a contemporary set in Argentina, and I'll just rattle off some of its details. School Library Journal calls it powerful. It was an Amazon Best Book of the Month, was the Hello Sunshine Book Club pick, a nominee for the 2021-2022 Georgia Peach Book Award, among others, and is the 2021 Pura Belpre YA winner. Furia is a story about Camila La Furia Hassan, a young Argentine girl and an extremely talented football player, and that's not the American football. That's what Americans call soccer. And the rest of the world rightly calls it football. Right. But she lives in a household that considers football a boy's sport and is forced to live a double life trying to be the perfect daughter while living in her brother's football star shadow and under the abusive rule of her father. Her parents don't know about her football dreams or that she's even playing at all. So when her team qualifies for the South American tournament, she has a chance to see how far she can go, but she needs parental permission before she can compete. 
Yeah, that's always a problem when you have to leave the country. So as you can imagine, this doesn't go too well because they don't think girls, especially their daughter, should be playing football at all. And during all of this, there is also an ongoing fight for gender equality happening in her community. And the boy she once loved turned international football star, Diego, is home from Italy. But Camila isn't the same girl she was before, and she has her own dreams and ambitions and can't be the same person she once was for Diego. So this story is all about Camila's journey and fight to be seen as equal and that her dreams are just as important as her brother's or Diego's and that she has the talent to make it and to succeed. This one to me, just like School Library Journal said, felt very powerful and I think everyone should read it. It has a great message about equality, women's rights. Good. But like I said, it was another one that once I started it, I just had to finish it. <laughs> and I think really it was the dialogue between the characters. Like everything just felt so realistic. You really felt like you were in there with them, part of their story. I do really like well-written dialogue. What's your next one, Patty? My next one is called Reclaim the Stars, 17 Tales Across Realms and Space. And this was actually really fun. This was this was a fun read too. Um, it is a collection of 17 different stories from all walks of the um, Latin American diaspora. And so there are 17 different stories. This is edited uh, by Zorada Cordova, and it's got, oh gosh, I'm, I can't name all 17 of these authors, but they are all absolutely wonderful. And it's interesting because it's all science fiction fantasy short stories, which was super fun. It's divided up into To the Stars, which are all sci-fi space stories, uh, The Magical Now, which is all sort of um, more set on Earth, but sci-fi but also fantasy dystopia stuff and then other times other realms which tends to be a little bit more fantastical and fantasy worlds that are all based in some kind of latino culture in, in all of these and it's like any book of short stories there are some that i loved and there are some that i'm like but there are a couple in this book that I would read an entire novel. Like I, I want the entire novel. <laughs> so I would recommend this to anybody who's looking for some good science fiction and also who's maybe wanting to explore some of these authors. It's a nice introduction to a lot of different Latino authors. So it's, I think it was a great read, particularly for this month, because uh, I can definitely tell you there's like at least 10 of the 17 authors and I'm like, I need to read more by this person. <laughs> so I recommend. Sarah, do you have another one? Yes, my next book is very different from fantasy. It's very uh, realistic and again, heavy in tone. It's called What's Coming to Me by Francesca Padilla. And this is about uh, a Dominican-American uh, teen named Minerva, and she her life has kind of gone off track. She her mom is really ill, um, in and out of the hospital a lot. Things aren't going well, of course, because of that. The finances are tight. Um, Minerva, who used to be a really good student, is now struggling and almost 
about to be booted out of even summer school. And uh, the ice cream stand where she works gets robbed. And in the course of dealing with that, she and a friend of hers come to discover that there's a rumor that there may be some sort of treasure hidden in this ice cream stand. And uh, so they decide that maybe a good plan would be to figure out where that is and take it for themselves. And maybe that would kind of turn some of their life, you know, their problems around. Minerva also has to deal with her cousin who's kind of moved in to take care of Minerva and take care of the apartment and their relationship isn't great. So there's a lot of, um, you know, the family dynamic going on with this one. And the author talks about this one is about an aspect of grief that she feels like isn't usually talked about, which is the grief that comes when you're anticipating um, somebody's demise or anticipating that bad things are going to happen. So she's already sort of in a bad headspace, even though her mother is still living because they kind of, she might be knows, like the title suggests, what's coming to her, what's coming to me. So that one, if you like realistic fiction, might be a good read, but it is, like I said, a little bit of a downer. There's a whole bunch of people out there who really want to read books just to make them cry. (laughs) So there is definitely someone out there that book is absolutely perfect for. What about you, Catherine? You have another one? Yep. I have one more I'm going to talk about today. Is it also a downer? No. Just a little bit. (laughs) Not so far. (laughs) It's The Sunbearer Trials by Aidan Thomas. And I will admit I'm not quite done with this one, but I am determined to finish it because I need to know what happens. (laughs) It's book one of a duology and just came out this month. I'm really hoping it doesn't end on a cliffhanger, but I'm guessing it probably will. Oh, you know it will. I feel sure. I would describe this one as a Percy Jackson meets the Hunger Games story. So if you really liked Percy Jackson, I think you would definitely love this one too. We have Teo, who is a jade semi-dios, and the trans son of Diosa Quetzal, who's the goddess of birds. Teo has been chosen to compete in the Sunbearer Trials. Each decade, the sun's power has to be replenished so Sol can continue traveling along the sky, keeping the obsidian gods at bay. So in this story, there are three types of gods. There are the obsidian who are bad, and then the gold who are powerful, and then there are the jade who are viewed as lesser than the gold. I don't really think that's true, and I think that's going to be a plot point in the story. But so now every 10 years, Sol picks 10 semidioses or children of the gold and jade gods to compete in the Sunbearer Trials. Almost always, it's just gold semidios. But this year, uh, which has never happened before, there are two jade semidios as picked. And so everybody is expecting one of them to be the loser. The winner carries light and life to all the temples of Reino de Sol, but the loser has the greatest honor of all. They will be sacrificed to soul. Their body melted down to refuel the sunstones and thus protecting the world for another 10 years. I personally don't think that is the greatest honor of all. <laughs> <laughs> My death? No. No, you're not looking forward to being a lava person? No. no. Oh. But in this story, we're going through the trials with Teo and his friends Nia and Chio as they try to survive and hopefully come out on top. But since this is book one of a duology, I'm guessing I'm not going to (laughs) know. Probably not. If they ultimately survive or not. 
There's only five trials, though, and I think I've seen three. And I'm not done with the book, so maybe we get through the Wholesome Bearer trials. Maybe. Maybe there's more. But I, I cannot say because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Patty? What's your last one? My last one is The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. This one also, I, full disclosure, have not finished yet. <laughs> but uh, I, I, like Catherine, I am going to finish it because it's really good. Actually, you know, I said I was going to go from my, my favorite to my least favorite, but I would not call any of these, like, bad books. I really loved every single one of the books I read. So this one is about 16-year-old Yamilit Flores, and she is starting her junior year at a brand new school. It's a Catholic school, not the public school. And she and her brother are both going to this new school and they have various reasons for doing it. Uh, one is that her brother is kind of a genius and has gotten beat up a lot in the public school. So he's going to the Catholic school because their mother will think that that keeps him safe. And Yami is supposed to go and keep an eye on her brother. She is all about going to this new school because at her public school, her best friend, Yami admitted to having a crush on her and her best friend, Bianca, didn't like it and then promptly outed her to other people and she just wants to get out of that school and she's going to go to this Catholic school and she's going to be in the closet and she's never telling anybody she's gay again and that's just going to be how it is. And of course, there is a beautiful, smart, funny, intelligent girl who is out at her Catholic school. And Yami, of course, is intrigued by her. And staying in the closet is um, harder than she planned. <laughs> and again, it's just, it's a realistic fiction book. It's a slice of life. It's that, that you know, the year in her life at the school. And I really like it. Yami is really funny. She has a great sense of humor and she's really touching and... It's just one of those books that I think it's very easy to relate to these characters and the different issues that they have and the things that they are, are going on in their life. There is an author's note right at the very beginning that this book deals with issues of racism, homophobia, immigration, and suicidal ideation and hospitalization of a character. She says, I have done my best to depict these topics with sensitivity and care. If these are difficult subjects for you, please take care of yourself and know your mental and emotional well-being comes first. Uh, which I actually like. It doesn't give away anything that happens really in the plot. But uh, I always like having it. I think that's kind of nice that they sometimes the authors will put a warning there. Um, which is nice. And um, this book just came out this year. It's, it's a really new book. And I think everybody should pick it up. It's really good. I've been pleasantly, pleasantly pleased. Sarah? Yes. How about you? <laughs> do you have a third book? I do have a third book. And this one is nonfiction. If you've listened Ooh. to this podcast before, you know that I kind of enjoy nonfiction, despite y'all thinking maybe you don't like it as much. But this uh, is... Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yes? I like nonfiction just fine. I was just really excited that you had a nonfiction oh. book because we don't have a lot of nonfiction on Maybe this podcast. It's Catherine that doesn't like nonfiction. I don't. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Don't go bumping me in with her. I'm sorry. I apologize. This one is called Wild Tongues Can't Be Tamed. 
and it's 15 voices from the Latinx diaspora. And so this is a collection of essays about um, ex- the experience of being a, a person of a Latino descent in the United States and what that's like and identity issues and family issues and all of those sort of things. And so some of these essays are written, they're all written in their unique style. Some of them are longer or shorter than others. Some of them are more... Um, personal and some of them are written kind of as though it's from an outside person's voice and they're kind of um, weaving their experiences through that um, character so to speak but but it is very eye-opening for me to to have read these and kind of um, think about some things that I haven't thought of before so I feel like this would be a good read for anyone uh, to kind of you know get a sort of idea about what it might be like to be from one of these cultures or just, you know, have ancestry from one of these cultures and live in this country. Uh, All of them are written by published authors and writers who have other works out there. So if you like any of these essays, you can also uh, look up more of the things that they have written. It seems like, and you all correct me, but um, I feel like a theme that was running through our books was family. Yes. And the importance of family and extended family and those relationships and also in particular yeah in particular for the first one I mentioned echoes of grace also um, how familial trauma is sort of passed from generation to generation and so how things that you might have encountered your your parents or your grandparents may have encountered in um, whatever their you know original country of origin was how that kind of has moved its way down to characters who are now living, um, I think most of ours were living in the United States. I thought that was an interesting theme. Only one of mine, were they living in the United States? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, two of mine, This the Reclaim the Stars are all over the place. But I will say, yes, I noticed even in just this Reclaim the Stars, all of the stories, family was such a big, important part and what that meant and the different kinds of families and the different ways families were uh, shown or expressed. But like, yes. And, and like you said, a lot of, of generational trauma and how that's passed down was in all of these books. It, and it's, it may not have been the point or the, the theme right. of the book, but it's there. Um, looking at your Wild Tongues Can't Be Tamed and my Reclaim the Stars, there are several Crossover authors, authors. Mm-hmm. yes, their authors are in both of them. I'm totally going to steal this wild tongues, can't be tamed. Sure. <laughs> Food is another thing that I noticed was in a lot of my books and just, and I think it ties into family. Like you're saying, you know, that that's one of the ways families bond is through food. So food played a big role in. And cultural connection through yeah. food. Mm-hmm. I do have a bonus title to throw in there. So since spooky season is coming up, and if you like werewolves and want a story that's a twist on the werewolf legends. I do like werewolves. You should read Lobosona by Romina Garber. It's it's a good one, I think. Uh, I have finished it, and I I think Sarah said... Yeah, I just started it, and um, yeah, it's about Manuela, who's an uh, illegal immigrant from Argentina, with her mom and yeah I've just begun it but basically she has to stay housebound because she's got very unusual eyes and if she goes out people will notice 
and you don't want to be noticed when you're trying to hide from ice. I don't want to spoil it, but the way the eyes are described. Right. I would love to see them. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I'm trying very, like, I'm trying to picture them in my head as I li- I'm listening to it. So, okay, I do have a question about that. So, listening to it, because I do, I am listening to a lot of books right now, and it's a werewolf, and I'm always a little uh, squicked out by body issues and things. Is has is there any kind of gross descriptions of stuff? What kind of stuff? Like. Like the transformation process? Transformations or, no. or possibly her killing a chicken or something. I, do, I just, I don't. I haven't. I'm not far enough into it to have reached that. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. So it's now time to assign our next topic for the episode. Yay. And we're actually going to be doing part two of our Right or Wrong series. And this time I'm choosing... And we'll all be reading and discussing some of the many works of David Levitin. Yay! All right, you guys are introducing me to another author. I was introduced to David Levitin's writing through um, Rachel Cohn's books because he and Rachel Cohn write like a few series together. And in doing some research, he does a lot of works with co-authors where like where it's like a dual protagonist story. So one author is writing one character and the other author is writing another. And I really like the way those work together because I feel like you get like a true dialogue because right. it's coming from two different headspaces. Um, but I'm interested to see what everybody else thinks about his work. So I think this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I found I I've just found one of his books oh God, years years ago because I'm pretty sure the only books out at the time were were Boy Meets Boy and maybe Realms of Possibility I can't remember but I just picked it up because it was I was like oh I think that cover's really cool and I just fell in love with his books so he's been one of those um auto read for me for a while like I like his I like his stuff This has been another episode of Spill It by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Catherine. I'm Patty. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time as we spill the tea on the works of David Levitan. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.